Hello and welcome to episode 501 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak, who you can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. I guess this is the Levi's episode, hey? The Levi's episode, it yeah, is. Yeah, 501s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not wearing any Levi's. I'm not wearing any pants. I didn't know that we had two. <laughs> thought it was mandatory not to. That's like, right. What am I supposed to do with my hands if I'm not wearing pants? Um, so international footy's been on, hey? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's been been pretty good. I watched the women's game, the uh, Australian women versus the New Zealand women. The New Zealand women won. That was a really good game. They're both killing it. They're both playing so well. It's it's fantastic to see. Um, and the Kiwi women getting the win was was huge because they've been sort of struggling with that disconnect because of COVID we've talked about a little bit. And so to see them, you know, get one over Australia, it was fantastic to see. And you could see how much it meant to them. And then the Australian team took on New Zealand. That was another great game in the men's game. And um, New Zealand have a few things to work on, but they, they looked really good. They looked really well prepared. And um, it's probably a bit of an issue for them having – Jerome Hughes is really their only real playmaker and, and um, general kicker because it's just so much easier to try and shut him down and get, yeah. you know, low his influence. Where Australia's got so many weapons across the park, it's, it really makes it difficult for New Zealand to have that polish on everything they do. Especially when you consider Hughes tends to park himself on the right side a fair bit, so it means that their left side just doesn't get much top-quality um, playmaking going on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they go in the final because Australia rested it. We've rested our front row, um, which I found pretty interesting. So, but it, I said this during the game. It felt like one of those games where you sort of look towards the final and you think, well, Australia's going to win it pretty easily. And wouldn't it just be a New Zealand thing where they win it? You know, and we're like, what the how the hell did that happen? You know? Yeah. Um, but it was a good high quality game. I, I really enjoyed it. And it was just good to watch good footy, you know, good international footy. There's been so many disappointing games in international footy where one team doesn't turn up, but they both turned up. Even though the scoreline probably looks like it was a bit of a blowout, it wasn't like that really when you watched it. I think my only problem is I'd like to see Australia play PNG and Fiji instead of New Zealand again. Yeah, that would have been cool. I would have yeah. liked that, but um, I, I, I think that I think that helps everybody too. Like uh, that helps all those Pacific nations out. But instead, they're just I don't know. This 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 structured tournament just feels. Eh. I don't understand the structure of the tournament at all. To be honest with you, I think ideally they wanted to have it so that it was kind of like I think rugby union has six six nations, so it'd be something along those lines, mm. but. Tonga had already agreed to go over to England, which kind of meant eh, we can't really commit to something like that now. One of our big teams yeah. is gone. Yeah. So they've got this weird two-tiered Pacific Cup thing, which uh, I don't know. It just feels weird. It does. At least, look, at least they're playing games. Huh? Abs- like, oh, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy yeah. for that. There's no doubt about it. I have a feeling that in three years from now, once these teams have just got things back together, um, this game's going to be friggin' awesome to watch. So I kind of look at it as like this is the first step. Um, Australia's always going to be fine. 
New Zealand is, you know, they do need footy, but they end up being fine once they get some footy under their belt. And I think it's really the likes of, you know, Fiji, Tonga and Samoa and all these, you know, PNG to a lesser extent where it's almost as much about building their their representative player base more than anything. And I think that we've seen that with some of the rotations through squads that they've used where they kind of want to get players some test experience. Um, oh, and down, down the track, that would be great for them. Yeah, did you get to, um, you know, go for a bit of a journey around the uh, the local suburbs around you? I'm, I'm using sarcastic uh, local J- Sydney journo slang here. To check out some of the other international games. Well, did you go to, oh. to Cabramara and check out Malta versus Philippines? They had the men's and women's games there. No, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't even seen any of the results for those games. It's okay. cool that they're all happening, though. It's, well, the, it's great that happening. the Philippines women won 42 nil, and the Malta men won 46 to 22. Who against? It was Malta versus Philippines in both games. Oh, wait, they played two games? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the the women played at half past one on Saturday. Yeah. And the Philippines won 42 nil over the Malta, and then the men played two hours later, and Malta beat Philippines 46-22. Uh, well, if, I mean, given you, Mr. Cameron did you get out to uh, just down the road to Lincoln? No. On Saturday? Oh. No. Who played there? Uh, Italy beat South Africa 50-20. to 20. Oh, wow. Oh. Well, you, you, missed, you missed three games there. That's fine. What are you doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you must have drove down to Amy Park for the Australian New Zealand game because that's the one you mentioned. So that's fair enough. I'll let you off. Um, did you then fly over to Huddersfield to check out England versus Tonga? You had a few hours. I wasn't there like most of the English support. So. <laughs> um, I, I actually was really looking forward to that game. Switched it on. And um, what happened wasn't good for international rugby league. Uh, the Tongan team were dominating the collision on both attack and the defensive side, and they were never, ever going to be um, able to be involved in the result. Was it a similar situation to what happened the week before? Worse. Way worse. Uh. Way, way worse. Um I just there was one situation where last week, right, uh, a Tonga player got tackled over the sideline, and the English players kind of got up and gave him a little bit and celebrated getting him over the sideline. And a, a Tonga player come in and didn't like that, and there weren't any punches thrown or anything, but they just had words and stuff like that, a little bit of a grab and stuff. And the Tonga player got um, penalised. Uh, the exact same scenario happened in this game, but the roles were reversed. An English player got pushed over the sideline. The Tongan players sort of celebrated it. An English player ran in and words were exchanged. The Tongan player got penalised. And I thought that that really summed up this game. Um, I've never seen, I've never ever seen a game of rugby league where one team dominated the collisions in both attack and defence and were never allowed to be involved in the, the result. It was insane. Um, and it's not good for international rugby league and not good for England because I said this, like Sean Wayne and you and me laughed when he was appointed. But give him credit. Like, 
when that he, under his guidance, that England team gets the, the absolute maximum they can out of themselves. They look, they don't look clunky. They look fit. Uh, and there's been plenty of times where we've seen England slash Great Britain not look like that. Um, they don't look like a rabble under his coaching. Well, I think and the other thing that they've, they've looked like in more recent terms is, or years, is um, unskilled. Like they've, they've looked like they've had the fitness mm. um, in more recent years, but they mm. look like they've lacked the... the you know, the, the attacking polish to finish mm. off plays and, and put teams away or to be consistently strong all the time. That's why you'd sometimes see them drop games. You'd expect them to win. Yeah. Um, so, no, I'm with you on that one. It's, you know, it, it's it's pretty impressive that they're doing this to Tonga. It's, they, 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 how I try, I'm being really careful. You know. I, I know, but I mean, at the same time, okay, even even with the officiating issues, mm. um, you've still, you know, you still got to you still got to turn up for that physicality thing because that's what Tonga brings. Yeah, and look, Tonga is Tonga in these games has been fucking brutalising the English players in attack and defence. Um, Thomas Burgess has been great when he's been on the field. He's he's really done. He's been. Maybe the standout player in this series, I think. He's really stood up to the Tongan forwards and been one of the few English forwards that's been able to push through their line at any in any way. Um but and the English players, I mean, they're getting hit and tackles and driven back and it's been it, you know, from that point of view, the Tongan team has done really good. Yeah. But they the play the ball speed and what is being allowed to happen in tackles. Like when you when you've got that physical dominance, what is supposed to happen is you're supposed to be able to take advantage of that. And Tonga have not been allowed to any advantage on their physical dominance in the middle of the field whatsoever. And they, they just haven't been allowed to be part of the contest. And it's been really disappointing because it, this had the potential to be a really good series for both teams. And it just, it's petered out. And I think that you can see that in, the crowd figures over there, which have been abysmal. Um, and I would suspect there'll be fewer people at the third game, even though it's in Leeds. Uh, it's just been really disappointing. And I think England needed more out of this series than what they're going to get, which is really unfortunate. So um, it was really disappointing and ang- angering to me to see that that's allowed to happen in, you know, 2023 in International Rugby League. It's not the... You know, it's not 1960s in France where you get a French referee that's like, uh, well, that sometimes yeah. they would choose a French referee to play against the English-speaking countries, and the referee couldn't speak English. Yeah, that was yeah. just an accident. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a great quote. I might have been from a long time ago. It might have been in the the Kangaroos tour of 1909, mm-hmm. and. One of the Australian players when it's referring says, mate, you know you got that call wrong. He says, Yeah, but this is the thing, I've got to live here. Yeah, where was that? That uh, was actually that was between um it was Dan Frawley mm-hmm. who had um Irish Irish blood and the referee was an Irishman. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's where that came from. But that was oh, that, yeah. that was a tour game in the nineteen oh eight oh nine tour. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, look, it's it's crazy to to see it on TV and to watch it happening. And like I had English fans saying to me, this is fucked. And like, obviously you get people saying, oh, you just can't give credit to England. It's like, I'm not English and I'm not Tongan. So I'm just a neutral, you know, viewer of the match. But when you've got English fans saying to, like, I'm pointing things out online as best as I can. And English fans are like, yeah, this is silly. What's going on? Because England didn't need it. England needed a real good marker to see where they're at. And they have not got that out of this contest, unfortunately. And I don't think Tonga's got anything out of this either, to be honest with you. Yeah, that, that's that's the problem. It's It's been a wasted series at this rate. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now, there was a, a good story that came out of international football on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Ukraine played their first game in God knows how long. Mm-hmm. And they beat Greece 38 to 24. Wow, that's a that's impressive. Yeah, I think this, I'm just going to check now. This might be the Ukraine's first game since um, Russia actually invaded Ukraine. Uh, I wonder how how badly affected their squad is from, because I would guess there'd be a lot of Ukrainian men subscripted right now, conscripted, sorry, into their armed forces. So, like that, I mean, there must be a big chunk of their player base that they just can't use. Yeah. They played. They played two games in 2021, um, and prior to, prior to that was two games in 2018. Mm. So yeah, they, they've only played yeah a handful of games since that uh, invasion by Russia. But yeah, there there might have actually been. I, I don't know for sure, but there might have actually been a bunch of the Ukrainian players might have actually had to, you know, be in the armed services as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's really impressive. <clears throat> Greece was at the World Cup last year and we saw how they played and I mean that's a that's a pretty sizable win over them, you know. Yeah. Um the Netherlands cracked up their fifth straight win for this year when they beat the Czech Republic thirty six to two. That's brilliant. The Nether there's I mean, there'd be few teams that play as many internationals as the Netherlands, hey. They've really ramped up the number of games they've played in recent years. Mm. Um I mean look at they've since 2017, they've lost one game. And they've Holy had crap. two, four, six, eight, ten, yeah, 15 wins and one loss. Who'd they lose against? Germany in 2022 by five points. I mean, that's a good win by Germany. Um, and they've been racking up some big scores. Yeah, it, it's time that they get a chance to play a high-level opponent, hey? Well, Tonga's around. I tell you what, I bet it'd be a better run game. <laughs> Imagine that. Why, do, why don't we get one of the Pacific Island teams mm-hmm. to go around to some of those European areas just once? Just say, here's a taste of what we do in the NRL. You know, the ideal team to do it with would probably be the Cook Islands, hey? Absolutely it would be. Yeah, because like you, I could see if say, say next year's Pacific Championships, you take you give the Cook Islands spot to Tonga, and there's nothing against the Cook Islands. I love the Cook Islands, but just give the Cook Islands a chance to get on the front foot with some of their results. Let them tour through Europe, um, and just yeah, as you say, give them that like this is this standard of footy because the Cook yeah. Islands are kind of in that in between space. 
and like it's because they've got such a small population and they punch above their weight on any scale no nowhere in rugby league punches above their weight more than the cook islands and it's not even close and so they're they're sort of in that middle area and i think it'd be really good for like a team like the netherlands to to see where they're at against that sort of level of competition it'd be really cool absolutely um on sunday just to prove it wasn't bullshit Mm -hmm. ukraine beat greece again two games in two days wow 22 to 12 um, the French women beat the Wales women fourteen to four. Good effort. And Fiji beat Papua New Guinea forty three to sixteen. I didn't see that game, unfortunately. I've I missed it. But yeah, I, I heard was it was actually. Was I heard it was a really good, like the Fijian team really turned around from the week before, and uh, PNG were a bit disappointing. That's the sort. Of, that's the vibe I got from the stuff I read about the game. Yeah. Um, I've been, I haven't had a chance to look at the highlights of that game yet to, to figure out what happened, but, um, there were quite a few changes for both sides, but it looked like the Fijian side made changes to make their team stronger. Whereas the Papua New Guinea one had made some changes to make theirs a little bit weaker in the backs and stronger in the forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could just come down to a bit of a, a coaching thing. Yeah, I I really do feel like they some of these teams are rotating plays in and out to get them experience, which is yeah. a good thing. Like it's going to be good for everyone in the long term because if you think about it, but uh, between COVID and uh, then the World Cup, like teams haven't had a chance to really um, blood young players. You know, no. so they, this is their chance. It's it's been good. That's right. So that's the uh, the international wrap. Yeah, it's uh, it's just good to see international footy being played, um, and you know, hopefully it, it continues. Hopefully the the train doesn't go off the rails again. Agreed. Now, <laughs> while we are still on the international stuff, yes, I come across something that was uh, curious to me. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to uh, the World Cup that was played in twenty twenty two, that was, yeah. that was the twenty twenty one World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me you know what's going to go on here. We we were told how unique and great and fantastic and record-breaking it was having three World Cups running at the same time. The best World Cup ever. Just ask the people that run it. It broke all the records. Yeah, yeah. It was the greatest, most unique thing ever. Everybody loved it. Yeah, it was uh, – you couldn't argue that it wasn't a success. So you would think that if that was – the biggest record-breaking, brilliant, most amazing thing ever. Mm. You'd do it again, wouldn't you? Obviously. No. Oh. No. Fuck you. You're wrong. What would you know? <laughs> no. The International Rugby League today announced invitations to tender for the three Rugby League World Cups in three years. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. I can't believe that running a giant bloated tournament is has not worked out for rugby league. Seems strange. I would have thought that that would have been a great idea. Turns out, and this is going to surprise you. Yeah. Ran at a loss. No, Andrew. They said that it was in profit. They wouldn't lie. What are you talking about, Andrew? Hang on. Was it profit or was it quotation marks profit? Well, look. <laughs> 
it's not about it's not about profit and losses really at the end of the day like whose bottom line really runs on profit and loss i mean you've got to be fair here okay (laughs) (laughs) um so that confusion amongst the irl side Mm -hmm. do you think it would be better to have all the world cups in the one year at the same time or even just in the one year or three world cups across three different years Irrespective, I, I, of, irrespective of the number of teams in there, just just the fact we've got a men's one one year, a women's one the other year, and the wheelchair one another year. I, I you th- think, look, I've I've always thought that rugby league needs to be run on common sense, which is hilarious because it's the opposite. And so, like I could, I think that the the women's World Cup should just be held in Australia every probably three years. I think that's a good cycle for the women. Um, I don't know about the wheelchair. World Cup because my guess is that logistics for that World Cup are very different and very unique as well as um, how players get funding to go to different parts of the world like you know you'd love a wheelchair World Cup to be every like two years or something but I could see where if somebody could sit you down and say look really for people that are part of that sort of World Cup once every five years is probably the way to go. Like I could see that sort of thing. I think the men's world cup should be every three years just because, um, it just mean a, 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 we get a lot of international footy at least once every three years, you know, but they're, it's all over the place. They, I mean, they, they don't know what they're doing. So thinking of locking it in every three years, but so, yeah, I think that it's sh- rugby league's world cup should be catered to the situation that the game is in, personally. That's how I think it should be. What are you going to bring logic into it for? I don't know. I'm, we, we, I'm can't re- work, we can't work with this. I'm really stupid like that. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about, like, wanting the game to be sustainable and things like that. It's, I don't know. I know I'm an outlier in that sense, hey? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> let's be honest. Um... The countries that will win the tenders for these, for the women's one, it'll probably be won by England. No. I'm, I'm just guessing here. No. Um, the wheelchair one, probably England. No. And the men's one will probably be, it'll be different. It'll be Great Britain. Yeah. It'll be Great Britain. It'll be like Great Britain and France with one game in France. Oh, no, they've they poo-pooed France now. They won't left. They'll oh. probably play the, the France games like we played in Wales. Ditched them, yeah. They'll play them in, they'll play them in southern Wales. They go, well, like, we put them kind of close to France. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best we're going to do for you because fuck you. This is what you get for doing what you did to us in the, uh, the bidding process. That's crazy how It's crazy how badly it's all run, hey? It's kind of impressive that a game this big can be run so poorly. They're looking for tenders, which means they don't have any plans yet. And yeah. one of these World Cups is four years away. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm it, Like, who's and shocked? The, the main one is six years away. I just wish we would stop having World Cups that were so devastating to the game that we had to restart everything again. Like, wouldn't that be nice? 
Maybe we have to go back to the system they used in the eighties. Just have three test series, three mm. three test match series between mm. all the nations, right? Over over the space of five years. And the last test in every one of those series, and everyone has to play one test series against the other country at least once, okay? You've got five, six years to do it in. And the last test in all of those series is the World Cup game. And so when you get to the end, you tally all that up, and the two top teams at the top of the table, they play in the final. That's it. That's what they did in... They did it for two World Cups, Mm. 85 to 88 and then 89 to 92. So they both run over four years. Mm. You, but we've got more teams now, so spread it out over five or six. So you're still getting heaps of international footy. Mm. Um, it becomes a bit more sensible because if you're going to get a team like France coming to Australia, they're not just coming over here to play one game. They're going to come over here and they're going to play three tests against us. They can go and play three tests against New Zealand, get it all out of the way in one or two years, you know. And they've got all those tours done, and then a lot of countries go over there. It's still going to work out being pretty advantageous to everybody. We've got more teams going to more countries more often, which mm-hmm. is good for all the countries instead of just having World Cup in England, another one in England, one in Australia, one in England, one in England, one in Australia, New Zealand, one in England, one in Australia, New Zealand. That's all we've been doing. But, you know, I I think you could have a situation where, like, and I like the, the Pacific Championship idea because it's the best teams in the world playing one another, really. Um, and then the European one would have been good, but they cancelled it, and I understand why they cancelled it. Um, if you had those going, it'd be great. But I could see where you could have like your World Cup cycle, but in between that, maybe have some sort of knockout competition, which would be really cool. Um, where you maybe have the European sides play their side of the knockout draw, the um, or the Northern Hemisphere teams play their side of the knockout draw. The uh, Southern Hemisphere play their side of the knockout draw. So you've got, say, a World Cup every four years. But in between that, you've also got, like, some sort of uh Mortal Kombat tournament. Well, the Mortal Kombat tournament has a lot of, of good ideas with it. But I just think a knockout comp is so easy to understand for everyone. Like, you don't have to know the sport to understand how a knockout comp works. And I just think that would be a really cool thing to have maybe in between. Um, because the international game needs structure, as you say, like these, these random test matches and stuff where you kind of not building towards anything, don't do it for people. And I think the other interesting thing we've seen with international sport over the last probably, probably eight years or so is that long bloated world cups, people don't like them. So even the soccer one where they've literally got all of the players and teams and strength that, that you want. People get to the end of that and they're like, man, this thing's been going on for fucking six weeks. You know, I heard a lot of criticism about that with the recent rugby union one. Um, the cricket one has been dealing with that for a long time as well. And I, so I think that the World Cups need to be short and sweet. I think that's what people want in this day and age. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense because at the moment we we can't make a World Cup at the moment in the current system make money. Yeah. So that's what needs to change. Yeah, yeah. Um, in other news, yes. IMG brought out their club grading system for the end of 2023. Yeah, it was interesting to go through the grading. Um, I've, I've got was, them all here. Yeah. Well, it, how about you go through the the top 20 because I think they're the relevant ones. To be honest with you. Yeah. So the way they had it. Um, 
the maximum score you could get was 20, and you got a mark of, uh, the, you had three grades, A, B, and C. You got a grade of A if your score was between 15 and 20, a grade of B if it was between 10 and 15, or 14.99, and a grade of C if it was less than 10. Yeah, that's basically it. And the, the um, gra- let me say the grading system was really, really generous. Like if you applied it to, say, the NRL and you thought, well, who would you say are grade A teams? And like probably uh, you'd probably get like 15 NRL clubs would have been graded A sort of thing. It, like they were very generous in terms of what they allowed for stadium infrastructure and and all sorts of things like that. So they weren't super harsh or anything. That's right, yeah. Um, so what we've got in here is there's seven teams who got a grade of A. So at the top is Leeds with a score of 17.49. Uh, Wigan second, 16.87. St. Helens just behind them. Catalans very close to St. Helens. Um, and then you drop back a little bit to Warrington and Hull KR and Hull FC, and they're all in the 15s. Mm-hmm. But they're, they are the seven clubs who are locked in with an A. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of teams between 12 and 13. So you've got Salford, Huddersfield, Toulouse, Wakefield, Lee, Castleford, and Bradford, all with mm-hmm. a score of B. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not just a score of B, but a score of B with a uh, mark between 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. 13.8. Um, the rest of the Bs is Featherston, Widnes, York. York was 10.05. Um, Newcastle, eight, 18th with a score of 9.3. Mm, pretty good for a team that just folded. Yeah, well, not only did they just fold, they've just announced that they're going to be coming back in League One next year. Yeah, yeah. Um. Below Newcastle was Barrow and Halifax, both on nine, and that's the top 20. Um, there's four teams, Batley, Sheffield, Doncaster, London Broncos, all on eight. The London Broncos one's very surprising because they only just missed being a C-grade club. Yeah. Um, and the C-grade clubs are Oldham, Swinton, Dewsbury, Rochdale, Hunslet, Keithley, Workington, Whitehaven, Midland, Cornwall and North Wales. Yeah. Um. I, I don't. I don't know that this did what IMG probably wanted it to do. Although they did set up the the way that it was graded. So, and they they set it up in a way that they would have wanted a certain result out of it. Um, they be, What they would have loved is for there to be like 10 teams that were all A-level and it was really hard to argue with, but one of those teams being London and one of them being Toulouse. So it was like, yeah, look, you can argue all you want, but Toulouse and London are ahead of, say, Castleford and Wakefield and teams like that. Um, it gives them all something to work towards, which is good. Whether the, these teams will work towards it is another thing. I saw somebody on Twitter posting about... Um, you know, car, uh, articles from the Castleford Tigers saying that they were getting their new stadium in 2011 and the stadium literally hasn't changed. And then people post in, like, images of where the super, basically Super League clubs played at when Super League started and now and how many of those stadiums look the exact same. 
Um, but at least now there's a there's something in place, and hopefully they stick to it. Um, but the th- the big one for me is, as you say, the Broncos, London Broncos. If they're so far down the list, they ha- they basically have to. They've got a lot of work to do if they want to stay in Super League. Yeah. Look, there's something they need to consider is also removing this. I know I mentioned it last time. They've got to get rid of this um, three three conference or three league system. It's just mm. stupid. Mm. Um, so you look at the numbers here. There's three teams you immediately cut, and that's going to be Midlands, Cornwall, North Wales, because they're the only ones who didn't get a score above six. Yeah. That's pretty atrocious. And look, and honestly, and to be fair to those teams, give you and me this, you know, until the start of their season, we could be playing for them next year if we wanted to. (laughs) It's not great. Um, But that's the level they're at. Like, they're they're a lower-tier team, you know. That's right. Then we've got another bunch of teams who have been around for a long, long time and should be doing a bit better. Yeah. Based on the fact they've got a, you know, the difference between, say, Whitehaven and Cornwall is Whitehaven's been around for 100-odd years or whatever. Cornwall's been around for about 35 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and yet Whitehaven had a score of 6.27 and Cornwall's is 5.75. Yeah. yeah. So there's a bunch of teams here, I'll go through them here, where we need to consider whether they should just be put in the amateur leagues because their score's just not good enough. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Oldham. They're the best of this group, and they had a score of 7.39. So these teams all had a score of C as well. Olden, Swinton should be a lot higher, given where mm-hmm. they're located. Mm-hmm. Atrocious. Dewsbury, Rochdale, they all had scores in the sevens. Hunslet, 6.9. Um, Keithley Cougar, 6.58. Workington Town, 6.54. Whitehaven, 6.27. I'm sorry, but why? It feels like we're... We're, you know, we're wasting time trying to get them to be functioning clubs at this level if they are that poorly performing here. You know who those te- what those teams are? Those teams are the perfect candidates to be the lower-grade teams of Super League clubs. Absolutely, it would, be, it would strengthen them. It would strengthen their development as clubs. Um, I dare say it would help their finances because they'd be getting better players into their systems. Those are the teams that should be the lower tier development clubs in the game. Instead, a lot of those clubs have this pie in the sky idea of like, one day we're going to make it to Super League. And it's just not going to happen. And as you say, it's been, these are teams that are much older than a lot of our foundation clubs over here, you know? Yeah. it's just not going to happen, but they could be very strong. And it's like the St. Mary Saints in, in Western Sydney. Um, they're never going to be an NRL club, but bloody hell, they're a very, very, very strong lower grade development club who have links to basically the Penrith Rugby League system. And that's that should be what they focus on and and not this dream that's not going to happen. I agree. I agree. Because it's, it's, it's an absolute, I don't know, it's just an absolute mystery to me that we've got such a disparity. Mm. I mean, have a look at the, the difference in scores between the top team, Leeds, 
and the team that's 10th on this list, okay, leads 17.49 to lose 12.97. It's just it's just under five. Yeah. And then we go to um, from 10 to 20. It's 9.06 for Halifax at 20. So that's three. Mm-hmm. And then to 30, it's... It's two and a half again at 6.58. So what we've got is a very large gap between the top team and the team that's, you know, eighth and ninth. Mm. That's got the widest gap. The rest of the teams are all largely bunched together. Yeah. And So, so, I mean, that's because a lot of it is due to the fact that a lot of those teams that have got that B grade and they've got that score between 13.8 and 10, is because they're the teams that are constantly hanging around, up and down, promotion, relegation, blah, blah, blah. All it does is eats the club to death. Yep. And that's what it's doing. You've got this whole group of teams in the middle there who they don't get a chance to strengthen themselves and be better because every time they go up, it's spend to survive and stay here. Mm. Then they get dropped down and then they lose all their players and then it's you know, spend to get back up again and not go further backwards. And you just, those teams on the cusp, they're in this horrible situation financially where you're constantly trying to survive. Whereas the teams that are doing well, like Leeds, Wigan, Saints, even Catalan and Warrington, don't have that threat hanging over their heads. They can be thinking more long-term, whereas every other team on this list, you can't. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, I mean, that cycle needs to be broken for the good of everyone because, like, the health of the worst club on that list is directly linked to the health of, of the Leeds Rhinos, you know? If the worst club on that list that's the rated the lowest, if they're stronger, it means that everyone else is stronger too above them. And I I think that that goes missing, and, and it's because there's not, like, leadership within the game over there. And it's, you know, it's so compartmentalized and, you know, the people that are at the Rugby Football League are just worried about their own jobs. They don't care about the greater game. And then you've got clubs that are just worried about their position in their league. They don't worry about the game. And then you've got these clubs that are trying to get up to Super League because they see it as like the riches of Super League. But like, can you imagine if you ran a club and and somebody said, listen, you run a, a team that is say, mid-table in, in the first division. Uh, but every five years, we're just going to drop an atomic bomb on your finances. <laughs> because that's what happens at, like when they go up and down these levels. It's an atomic bomb. When you go up, it's like devastating to your, your finances. The, the, everything stops being stable. Everything stops being steady growth. And now all of a sudden, you've got to outspend. You've got to spend more money than you make, and you've got to... You know, you're getting rid of the players that you had and you're bringing in new players that you don't have and you've got to overpay them because they don't want to play for a team that's going to get relegated. But, you know, the job's there. You've got to take it and they'll take it for more money. And, and then when you get dropped down again, you've got to pay those guys out and get new guys in. It's just it's such a crazy system. It's a mess. And thankfully they're getting rid of it. But this this point now is like everyone knows where they stand and that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. So he's... Here's my rough idea with mm-hmm. very little to no forethought. Okay. From this, we've got to have two divisions, both with 14 teams. Super League has 14, Championship has 14, and there's 
what, seven teams that just whatever. Okay, because the seven teams we do whatever with, they're the ones who've got a score of under seven. So that means that the gap between Leeds Rhinos and Rochdale in 28th is 10.4 points, mm-hmm. which is, it's a big gap. But we're talking about the gap between the best team score-wise in Super League and the worst team in third division. Mm-hmm. Well, second division would be on this idea, which would mean that we Super League, we would have go all the way down to um, Bradford. And it's a good cutoff point because Bradford's got a score of 12.02 which mm-hmm. is close to the five teams above them, Castleford, Lee, Wakefield, Toulouse, they're all under 13 as well. And the neck, the gap between Bradford and Featherston is one and a half points. So Featherston's 10.65. And I think that gap is too big a gap for Featherston to make up to be an elite team at this rate. So yeah, 12 the... points looks like a good cutoff, and 10.65 can be the start of championship. And that goes all the way through to seven point oh three. Yeah, I, I I don't know how I do it. Like, I think under super, I think under super league. I wonder if the way to do it is you've got super league, and then you've maybe got two equal divisions under it that are based on geography. I think I talked about that in the last episode. Just yeah. to cut down, I'm thinking of costs. I, well, you know. well, I mean, we both are essentially. But yeah, if yeah. this is if this is the method they're going to go with. Then they've got to go, you know what, 35 teams is too many. Yeah. Hell, you know, 25 teams is too many. But let's start moving in the right direction. If we can cut this down to 28 teams that are professional, right, Mm. the other seven, they go into the amateur leagues. Um, I know that once they go back there, the chances of coming back up again are next to zero. But you know what? You're not going to go much higher than where you already are. Because yeah. look at look at your mark, okay. So then we've we've got it down to twenty eight. Give that a go for a few years. If any team on this list has this, especially in the second division, has their score go backwards or stagnant, then we go right. We know that there's no potential for you to get any better after three or four years. Mm. You know what you've got to work on, and you've not been able to improve your score, so you're gone as well. Yeah. And they've got to do this until they get it down to 24, right? Because 24 means you can have 12 and 12. Mm-hmm. And once you've got to two lots of 12, that means you can have everybody in both divisions play each other twice. That's 22 rounds. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Right? 22 rounds, 12 teams. You don't need to have a top eight either. You can have a top five. Mm-hmm. So you're making your final series shorter, more competitive. Um. And it's going to mean that there's less expenses over the entire season. You're not playing so many games, which is expensive, which yeah. means you're not paying as much for um, ground hire, that sort of thing. Yep. Everything gets cheaper this way. And you're making the game more um, more important, I guess, to the fan. Each game gets more important because there's less of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, And that's what you want to get to because once you get there – and this is going to sound nasty, but this is a business perspective. Once you've got games being more, you know, more rare, you can also make them more expensive to attend to. And yeah. that's how you get more money into the game. But if you're playing fucking 35 games a year, every fan's going to go, oh, I can miss 10. Who gives a shit? I can still yeah. go to another 20. You know, and so there's there's no urgency from the fans. There's no desire to have to go to every game because there's too many of them. You can just go to any other one, which is why the crowd figures are also low. 
Yeah, and, and look, it, you know, when you're selling a season ticket that's got so many games on it, you've got to set a price that's – it's going to be higher than if you've got a, a shorter season. So it's going to cut down on ticket prices too. Um, yeah, it's it's going to – look, it's going to be interesting to see what IMG takes from this and moves forward with – it's going to be interesting to see if any teams make any progress forward or backwards – um we'll find out but i'm like i i understand img's thought process on it i i tend to think there's going to come a point where the rubber meets the road with clubs and the rugby football league spineless and i think that at some point they're going to just chuck all this out and img will sort of walk away that's where i think it's going to end up i hope it doesn't but that's if I had to bet money on something happening, that's what I would bet on. I wouldn't be surprised if they tweak this system in a way somehow to get London closer to the top half of this thing. Well, yeah, I think it's going thing... to be hard to do, but I mean, yeah. the only way they can do it is to go, right, let's also throw in, say, you get a score out of an extra 300 based on the population of the area where your team is based. They go, oh, look, London got 300. They're now the highest-ranking team in the comp. Well, look, that, that just, I mean, that should have been weighted higher, obviously. Like, if you've got the, what not London the biggest city in Europe? Um, yeah. So how does that not just get them a massive step forward over some of these other places? Because just that alone, like your potential catchment, the fact that it's the biggest... Um, corporate base in europe is another thing like those things should have been weighed heavier obviously yeah um and i understand their stadium situation and stuff has been all over the place but the fact that london is in super league next year and they're still rated so low is it there's something wrong with that picture yeah absolutely absolutely i Um, i i um DM'd something to us <laughs> a yes, few you did. nights you ago. Because I was thinking about, and this was more after that test match I watched between England and, and Tonga, and only 11,000 people turned up to that in Huddersfield. And, like, we've just seen the, the death of English rugby league. We really are. And that's what this grading thing is to try and stop, is to stop that death. And I see a lot of parallels between Super League and what's happening with Rugby Union in Australia in that eventually you get to a point where you can't reverse what's happening. It's too late. And that's where Rugby Union in Australia is. It's too late. Um, and so I was thinking, like, what needs to happen? What would be the ideal scenario? Now, I've seen a lot of English fans say, oh, the NRL should buy Super League. And it's like there's nothing to buy. I don't think people understand that there, there is nothing that you're buying with Super League. And it, like if you said you're buying the teams, you're buying a bunch of loss-making entities. Like you just don't do that. But what if what if English Rugby League clubs voted to dissolve the Rugby Football League, completely dissolve it? First of all, would anyone notice? <laughs> no. And, and they handed over contr- complete control of the game for the price of nothing to the NRL with the idea that the NRL was not going to put one cent into 
the English game from their pocket. They They were just just going. They were just going to run everything. Okay. The first thing I'm going to ask is. Well, my question, my question is like, would that be worse than what is happening right now? Well, this this is where my question was going to come from: is does that mean that it's Peter Valandis or Andrew Abdo running English rugby league now? (laughs) I guess it probably isn't. Would Would you rather Andrew Abdo run it, run rugby league in the UK, or the people that are running it now? Oh, oh, garden teeth. I would have Andrew Abdo running a thousand times out of a thousand ahead of the, and people know what I think of Andrew Abdo. Um, and it's not derogatory. I just think he's a waffler, you know, but. Um, Man, he's I, good with numbers though. Well, he at least would administer it, you know, and, and it'd be a pure administration. That's what English rugby league needs is a pure administration where it's not a bunch of people looking to feather their own nest and walk around to pretend that they're, you know, the, king shit on 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 a mountain of shit you know um because that's what happens at the moment it's like when you see the chairman of the fucking rugby football league and he's wearing one of those fucking chains like he's a mayor from the 1700s (laughs) it's like what fucking century do you think we're in mate they need to stop that crap and have a professional administration and I, i just think that there would be worse things to do than to have people that know how to run a rugby league competition step in and run the rugby league competition <laughs> i think the the thing that english rugby league needs is the one thing that would probably kill it and what? that is it needs to stop being so intensely um revolved around the northern part of england oh 100 um, because they're not even selling rugby league to northern england anymore hi hey? no that's right and look the the New South Wales slash NRL realised this when the whole Super League drama happened and they went, you know what, we've got to cut the number of teams in Sydney down. Mm-hmm. And even then, they were half-assed about it because they didn't, you look at it, they didn't get rid of that many. Balmain and West merged. St George and, well, I mean, Illawarra's not even from Sydney, but they merged. Norths went. North, North and Manly merged. Yeah. Um, South were cut. And got back in, so you know they they didn't cut it down hugely because too much of what went on in that whole drama was Super League clubs were protected from a lot of this crap. So it was basically the ARL sides that were being moved on. Yeah, but to be fair, I mean a lot of the those teams were were fucking terrible. No, and, no, they and, were. But yeah, what what they should have been looking at was not which clubs are strongest, but which regions have got too many clubs representing them. Like, we don't need a team at Canterbury, Parramatta, and Western Suburbs. Like, yeah. what, and not to, and then you throw in the fact that there was also St. George and Cronulla also not far away as well. Like, yeah. can we not condense that down to just two teams? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, but they didn't look at it like that. They went, okay, which teams have got, more, got enough money to survive? And yeah. that was the wrong way of looking at it. The only and, the only thing that I think and Penrith I remember at the time because everyone was in trouble. Like if you if you weren't there was maybe three or four teams that were yeah, like out of the danger zone. Like Melbourne, for instance, when they come back together, News Limited said we want Melbourne and they're yeah. going to be. Um, the Brisbane Broncos were always going to be in. 
Yes. You know, there was, there was, but there were times like that. Parramatta was never really going, but they still had to make sure about that. And they, like, there was talks between Mergent, Parramatta, and Penrith between the two clubs. Um, a lot but, of that was Parramatta trying to solidify their spot because that's also a reason why they wanted to join with Balmain because Balmain mm-hmm. weren't exactly broke either. They had money in the bank. Yeah. And like, the only thing that I think, of all of that rationalization we can be really thankful for and i know I'm, it's going to sound like real fucking homer talk here is that they didn't cut their nose off to spite their face with penrith because that would have been really easy to do um to to ditch the panthers who weren't really well run at the time but that had the i've always had that massive junior base that spits out players like it would have been can you imagine like if we hadn't have had a a Panthers representation for that area over the last like 20 years. It's kind of hard to even imagine. Yeah. I think Um, I reckon though, part of what was going with the NRL and this might go against a bit of what I was saying before is mm -hmm. they looked at the absolute extremities of the city and went, we need to have teams there, which is why a team that had always been a financial basket case like Cronulla Mm. was kept because they got the very Southern part of Sydney. Yeah. And Manly and Norse, who had never been that great, we need to still keep a team on the north side of the harbour. Mm. You know, and that's why they persevered with Penrith. They didn't yeah. want to lose the western suburbs either. That's why they they weren't exactly keen on the Magpies being taken over. They wanted a merger so that that area is still going to be represented. Yeah, but it, like you understand what I mean. It would have been yeah, absolutely a real fucking easy decision. Say fucking Penrith, they can go. Um, well, if they, was, if they wanted to, they could have just merged, um, you know, yeah, Parramatta and Penrith or West and Penrith. God, it's imagine, just up imagine the road. that area. It's just up the road. <laughs> you might have to duck around the corner, but it's just up the road. <laughs> but, yeah, they should have been looking all along at, right, we've got to get rid of this. This inner Sydney area is just absolutely swamped. One of the merger talks, and we might go into an episode with it one day, was um, going to involve three clubs. That was Balmain, East and South. Mm-hmm. Not going to look after that whole CBD, Eastern suburbs area, all the way around to Balmain. Yeah. Still not a huge area, but big enough for one team to look after. Yeah. And that could have been a Sydney, I don't know what animal you call that. But, um, yeah. Would... <laughs> what animal would you call it? A... I don't know. What colours? It would be a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know. Yeah, but, yeah, everything was on the table. I mean, Balmain had been in talks with Cronulla. That one nearly got off the ground. Mm. Um, you know, they... I, think you, I think you and me, our thoughts about the West Tigers are still very much based on, like, you know, they should be down in Campbelltown and that, that Balmain area some is now gets redistributed to a team that's actually that part of Sydney. Well, it'd probably be more... Either Parramatta or the Roosters. Probably, I'd probably be more inclined to let the Roosters have it purely because their actual catchment area is so tiny. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to get a huge amount out of Balmain, but they're going to get a little bit more than what they currently have. Yeah. And then um, I guess historically, like, and it, like we're being super harsh here, but you would have just had the Dragons take back over the, the Sharks area. Yeah. You know. well, well, that's what it should have. It should have either been St. George... Um, merge with Cronulla or Cronulla merge with Illawarra. And yeah. if Cronulla merge with Illawarra, they move to Wollongong. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the sort of thing that you should have been looking at ha- having happen. 
Um, but they didn't do that. And it felt like a lot of the Super League teams were being protected because they actually had a lot more funding come their way because of News Corp looking after them. Mm-hmm. So they weren't the ones that were perilous looking. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's what should have happened. Get it back down to being, you know, four to six teams in Sydney maximum mm-hmm. and then expand to the other states. And yeah. you can learn from that now over in England and say, all right, we don't need to have all of these teams along the M62. Let's try and cut it down a little bit. And, you know, if some teams have got to move a little bit further, if Salford or Swinton has to move into Manchester, one of you do, right? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, if you don't, we're going to let the other one survive for a little bit and then we're going to force you to go to Manchester anyway. Yeah, no, like I don't understand the the, th- the thought process of cutting your nose off despite your face and being like, no, we're going to fucking die here. Because I've said this before and I, I would say it right now, if the NRL went to the Panthers right now today and said, listen, Penrith ain't it. You've got to become the Western Sydney Panthers to for moving ahead. I would say change your name tomorrow. Like it is just about the the Panthers surviving, you know, and uh, the thing that gets me about say a team like Salford is that it's it's right there, it's right there, it's so perfect. And I understand people in Salford they they're very proud of Salford and and all this sort of stuff, but it's like you're standing in front of a bloody gold mine and you're like. Yeah, I don't want to get up off the couch, though. You know, I've got to walk up all the way over there and start digging at the gold. And that's the thing that, that I think most people that aren't Salford fans get. It'd be like the Leeds Rhinos being the Wakefield Rhinos, you know? And they're like, yeah, we we could we could fucking be all of Leeds. But yeah. we're happy being Wakefield, man. We're very proud of being Wakefield. It's, it would be that sort of thing. And this is the thing, I think it's a, it's the same issue that a lot of Sydney clubs specifically, but is also, you know, obviously going to happen over there in England too if you start putting this stuff over there. Is yeah. also, I'll think of all the fans you'll lose. And the thing is, the difference between that argument in England to in Sydney mm. is in Sydney, the number of fans you lose compared to the ones you gain mm. is, it, it's a bad balance. You'll lose more than you gain out of it. But not only that, like, I mean, some of these teams there in England, their crowds are literally in the hundreds. But like, is, imagine if you lost all of the crowds. Like, yeah, it, it's hundreds. Man. But this, this is what I'm getting. Right? So when North Sydney got axed, we didn't gain any fans out of that. We lost no. those fans, okay. Um, but when Western Balmain merged, right, they didn't, they didn't lose that many fans if they lost any. But yeah. because it's something bright and shiny and new, a bunch of new kids coming through who hadn't really seen that much of Bowman and West have seen this new team. They're going, I'm going to follow them now. Yeah. But over in England, because the the game is being followed by so few people and it's only being followed by people in smaller areas, mm. all of the massive areas have got these huge populations that aren't following rugby league at all. Yeah. So if you abandon and lose... I don't know, five five thousand fans of say Swinton, and move into Manchester where there's how many million people living there? Mm. You've only got to make up five thousand of them to to negate the ones you lost. You can't tell me that's not possible within ten years. And it's like you and think, then keep yeah, growing. Yeah, and and like, what is better for the game to have like 
you know, Wakefield take on Lee? Or would it, you know, and, and, and say fucking St. Helens to take on Castleford? Or would it be much cooler to have, like, Bradford taking on Manchester, taking on Leeds, taking on London, taking on even Liverpool? Like, yeah. it's... It's kind of insane that we don't have a team that represents Liverpool. That's the thing. So I think to put it into a perspective for, you know, Australians, it's kind of like if we took all the NRL teams and they all represented parts of um, rural New South Wales and rural Queensland. Mm. And we say, no, 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 no. We don't want to move any of our teams to Sydney. Mm. We don't want to have a team in Brisbane or Melbourne. You're going, you've got this massive population where there's all this potential market growth, money, fan bases, all of that. It's all Corporate there. Corporate dollars. It can only get bigger there. Mm. You go, no, 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 no. We've got a lovely base of 1,700 fans here, and we like our ground. It's been here since 1,206. <laughs> and just last week, we bought five more chairs from Bunnings in there, so we can now seat up to 10 people here. You why, know would our... we, why would we go to some big concrete jungle with no atmosphere? And you know, sure it might fit fifty thousand people. We might make more money in in one game than what we do in five years out here. But what other good stuff comes out of that? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's the mentality, and that's why that's why I think a lot of English people don't understand how Australian people are viewing their game and are sort of banging their head against the wall a bit, going. Like, open your eyes, guys. Can't you see it? Like, it's it's not that you're abandoning what you've got. It's about there's a massive market out there and none of you are game enough or bold enough or have the balls to fucking go and tip your toes over there and have a crack at it. And, and the, other, the other thing is, it's like, man, our club's almost dying, our club's almost dying, our club's almost dying. Why don't you step into that giant market that's ahead of you? Mm. Well, if we did that, our club will die. It's like, you imagine. Imagine, now. imagine what would happen if, if Salford just said, you know what, we're going to move to Manchester. We're going to call ourselves the Manchester Reds, the Manchester Devils. It doesn't, Yeah, just the Manchester Devils would do it, it, huh? It doesn't do anything to the history of the club. You can go to the games and wear your Salford gear and still chant Salford if you want. It doesn't matter. We've still got West Tigers fans going to games in their Magpies gear and Balmain gear and stuff like that. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. You know Penrith's what? original colours were, uh, I believe, blue and white, and I think they were called the Waratahs when they applied, and they didn't have the blue and white colour follow through because the Sharks coming through at the same time, so they changed their colours. Like, if evolve. It's okay to evolve. That's right. It doesn't hurt. Um, and, you know, your best-case scenario is you make a fuck ton of money, new fans, mm-hmm. and you win a lot of premierships. And the downside is you keep doing what you're currently doing, which yeah. is treading water, if you're lucky. And look, I, I, I bet you would agree with this. Like in the whole world of rugby league, the enti- and, and I really mean the entire world, there are a few teams that have the fucking opportunity that Salford has. And if they just stepped into that, if they stepped into that role, I can't like it's so exciting to think about. Oh mate, for me it was it was Swinton because they if they kept the Lions <sighs> name, you know that's the Lions is a predominantly British thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Manchester Lions. Yeah. 
And the how kit, does they, that? How does that not fucking work? And the, that blue and white kit. Remember they put it all together, mm. and they put, oh my god, it was just beautiful. because uh, that that had just potential written all over it. Yep. Yep. But no, you know, let's keep playing out of a fucking car park. Yeah. Thirteen people. What are you yeah. going to do? When, what are you going to do when those current fans die? Then what? Because that's currently what you got to look at with a lot of these clubs is they don't have um, a lot of them don't have fan bases that are getting younger. Mm. They're all getting older, yeah. and the a lot of these fan bases have got mortgages or they're about to hit their pension. They're about to start retiring, and they've got less money available to spend on going to football games or memberships. Yeah. Then what happens? That's why you yeah. got to be constantly thinking about. We need to go where the where the humans are. And and the thing is too, like, you know, you you watch the semifinals of the Super League and the crowds are minuscule, like really, really minuscule. And then you're watching these internationals. It's it's England versus Tonga. And between the two games, they've had like, tw- what, 24,000 between the two games combined. Uh, it, it, like, it's not a case of like, we got to save what we got. The fucking thing is dying. Something needs to be done right now, and it can't wait. And you know, if the, if there was just this, if there was initiative, if there was just some people that were like, "We're doing this, we're fucking doing it," and were rude about it, and 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 had some faith not only in their own clubs but in the game overall, that yeah, it's going to work because this is a fucking great game. It would be fantastic to see because. Northern England isn't buying rugby league anymore. That's the sad truth of it all. I was going to say, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Okay, if you're a Swinton Lions fan. Yeah. Right? And Swinton says, right, we're going to become the Manchester Lions tomorrow. And you say to yourself, right, well, that's it. Fuck this club. I'm never following them again. I don't care what they do. Mm. That Manchester Lions club then gets, goes through championship, undefeated, gets promoted in three years into Super League. They win the premiership. Mm. How long do you stay holding your grudge before you start wandering back going, yeah. yeah. Look, we saw some of those people over here when we saw the, the mergers happen. I'm never following the fucking game again. When yep. Norths went out, I'm never following the fucking game. When South went out, George Piggins, even when uh, South got back in and then Russell Crowe bought the club and did amazing things with it, has been the perfect owner. I'm never going to fucking South's game again. And what do they all do? They all fucking go to games and watch the games and support the games again. They fucking all do. I mean, the the Bowman and, and Magpies fans are a good example. Yeah. All hell to go. We're not fucking following this team anymore. 2005 comes along. Oh, I guess he's coming out of the woodwork. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they've all fucked off now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but... Look, you've got to build something, you know, and you've got to have something that in 2023 is relevant to people that want to sit down and watch a sporting contest. And the fact of the matter is that in 2023, when you've got the entire planet to pick your sporting contests out of and all of these great places and great cities and you can choose from all these things, it's very hard to sell this little town versus that little town, you know. Yeah. It's really, really difficult. It is. Um, speaking of difficult, I got asked a difficult question during the week. Mm-hmm. 
When are the Tigers going to make the finals again? Well, not next year. Uh... Well, I, I, I ran some data. Okay. Should I go through this? Yeah, yeah, go through it. Because I saw I saw you post this, but I purposefully didn't go through it because I wanted to hear it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. So I thought I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this a bit crude. I'm not gonna go into intensely deep detail. All right. Okay. I'm looking at obvious stats. So I was going to look at the Balmain and Western Suburbs past histories, specifically what years they made the finals, or in the when there was no finals, first past the post premiers. Yeah. Worth noting, Balmain appeared in at least one finals campaign for every single decade. Okay. Um, so Balmain's finals campaigns by decade. So 1900, 1909, they were in one. West in none. 1910 to 1919, Balmain were in uh, four. West were in none. 1920 to 29, Balmain were in two. West were in two. 30 to 39, Balmain were in four, West were in five, uh, 40 to 49. Balmain were in every single one except for 1940. Mm-hmm. And West were in 45 and 47, 48, 49. 50 to 59, Balmain were in three, West were in all bar 53, 54, 55. 60 to 69, um, Balmain were in uh, six, West were in five. So that was pretty much the golden area for the West Tigers was the 60s. Yep, yep. Uh, and in that time, they won one premiership. <laughs> in that, what do you mean, in that whole time? In that, in the 1960s, Balmain oh, won the premiership in 69. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 70 to 79, uh, Balmain were in two final series. West were in uh, four. In 80 to 89, Balmain were in, geez, most of them. Uh, four, five, six of them. West were in two, I think. And in the 90s, uh, Balmain were in one and West were in three. Mm-hmm. Now, combined, so these are the years when Balmain and West both played in the same final series. Mm-hmm. There wasn't many. So it was 32, 45, 47, 48, 49, 50, 56, 58, 60, 61, 63, 66, and 75. And the West Tigers were 2005, 2010, 2011. So in the West Tigers' first 24 seasons, they've made three final series. Balmain and West combined in their first 24 seasons appeared together in none. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, in the last 24 seasons of the NRL, there's been 4,724 games played. The first 4,724 games, or close enough to, were played between the seasons 1908 and 1970. Mm-hmm. And in that period, both sides played in 12 series together. It would be five more years before they do it again, and it would be the last time they did it. Then 30 years after that, both sides have been merged together and they won a premiership. So all I can deduce out of all of this is that the West Tigers will make the finals again in 2028. Mm-hmm. Then somewhere between 2029 and 2058, they'll merge with some other side and they'll win their second title in 2058. It's <laughs> funny. Um, I've yeah. got a little addendum to the end of that, and that is okay. Chairman Lee and Justin Potato will have passed away from old age while still in office in 2057. Yeah, yeah. How old will they be? Like, is that just based on... Uh, That's just based on the fact that they were, the club will finally be successful the oh, year okay. that they're dead. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's funny. It's, it's 
you know, it's been really interesting is since uh, Chairman Lee's position was supposedly put under some pressure by the shareholders of the club, the scattergun approach to news that's been pushed out by the team. They're chasing this lower grade rugby union player. They, you know, <laughs> they're going to move, they're getting a new stadium at Balmain and they're getting a new stadium at Liverpool and they're going to get a new stadium at uh, Campbelltown. And then just like on and on and on. And like, did you see the one during the week where they said they were going to, they were looking at getting that rugby union coach as their head of football? Did you see that? No. It's that, uh, what's that grifter's name? Michael Checker? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that Yeah, that was an article put out by the Sydney Morning Herald that, that he could be their, their new head of football. Um, we don't need anyone who's been involved in any coaching whatsoever with rugby union in Australia involved in the club. No. No one does. No. Fucking hilarious. Um, look at look at all the waking that that Australian rugby union fans did when Eddie Jones come back, and then he's been there for what a year, and they sacked him. Isn't wasn't that beautiful? So, what do you expect? They liked him for the memes, and then when all he gave them was the memes, they got upset. It's Maybe like it was, that's what you got him for. Wasn't there a, a bloke in the crowd who abused him at one game, and Eddie, Eddie Jones went over and started playing, giving him a bit of lip service back? Yeah, yeah. Where's that, that was, fan now? Yeah, that was all. That was, I think, in his first stint as the Australian Rugby Union coach. Yeah, I want to see that fan now going back and go. Yeah, I told you. It's it's uh oh, what was the oh they they lost one point five million bucks last year. That news come out. Um, the the this, Tigers did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so the one thing that they were good at in their finances. Yeah, but the way it was spun was like this is actually them being really good with their finances. It's like my goodness, you know. Uh, hang on, is is the RFL running the West Tigers now? <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're not really there for profit. Um, money in how, the money sense of the word. How much would it cost to buy the West Tigers license back? Do you reckon? Um, the license would, would be worth a bit. If you're buying the West Tigers, not much. But if you're just buying the license to have your own team, the pure license, yeah, it'd be worth a fair whack. How, like, yeah, like because the the uh, financial side of owning that license is, it's, I mean, it's an unlosable situation because of the NRL club grant and things like that. Mm. So you buy that license. It's almost like a poker machine license. That's the way I look at it. Buy a poker machine license. It's like you're making money. Um, I wonder what the price is on an NRL club license. Just to literally go into West Ashfield and say, "We'll give you." Would they take twenty million? Twenty million, they might say, "No thanks." It cost us too much in terms of bad PR and stuff. Forty million, you got to have some fucking meetings about forty million, don't you? Well, I reckon. I reckon West Ashfield will be looking to make ten percent on what they paid for it. Just the license alone. Because That's remember, a, I think I think they now own the site for Balmain League. So once they've got that thing rebuilt and developed, they're going to be making coin out of that. And it feels like their priority is not NRL. It is well, no. that side of business. It is that leagues club well, conglomerate sort and, of thing. And rightfully so, because, you know, they're just there to provide the coin. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. So they probably just want 10% on, above what they paid for it because, you know, that seems fair. 
Now, this brings me to a different point, Andrew. We saw the, and let's not make fun of them, all right? It's so easy. <laughs> the North Sydney Bears come out a few uh... days ago and said that they are willing to be the Pacific Islands team that the NRL uh, wants to have, but that is actually the PNG team, and that they would play games all over the Pacific and in North Sydney, and they would be a team for the entire Pacific and North Sydney. And it's just silly. I mean, they're, they're, they're a punchline at this point. No but, one wants a zombie bear team. No, that is a great point. That is a great point. No one wants. I saw somebody say, um, "Why don't they? Why don't the Bears become a team in Christchurch and it be the Christchurch Bears?" And I, I pointed out that you don't want to saddle that losing history onto a New Zealand no, rugby no. league place that has its own long, very long history itself. You know, I've got an idea. Just come to me. Absolute brainwave. Mm-hmm. Manchester Bears. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck not? Why not? What's the worst that could happen? Exactly. But here's my thinking. If I run the North Sydney Bears, uh, and I know I wouldn't do that. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> but say I ran the North Sydney Bears, what is more likely to happen? That I am going to become an expansion club that plays out of North Sydney Oval or that I position the club financially to a place where it could look to purchase a license off of a, a team owner that either has to sell for financial reasons, which we've seen in, in the past, or a place like West Ashfield that they just want out of the NRL side of, of rugby league, of the business, the rugby league business. So I was thinking, like, how much would Scott Penn take for the Manly license, right? How much would West Ashfield take for the West Tigers license? We we saw that the St. George Illawarra Dragons, they went to private ownership with uh, their head of uh, the person that owns Wind Television. That, to me, is way more likely to happen than the NRL ever giving or handing over a licence to North Sydney Bears. Yeah, look, the problem the Bears have got is they're in an area where there's just no, there's no growth. No. There's no there's no long term potential in anywhere in northern Sydney. That's why Manly's more than enough out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Remember when people used to say, um, if the Bears are gone, rugby union's gonna take over that area? How's yeah. that working out? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Um if the Bears legitimately want to get back into the NRL, there's two things they need to do. Stop being stop referring to themselves as being the Bears. And don't, do not have anything to do with playing games at North Sydney Oval. Yeah. If you can drop those two things, you might be get taken seriously. But every time, especially now, it's gone on for too long. Every time people go, the Bears are coming back, Bears want to do this, Bears want to do this, you don't get support. People just go, mm-hmm. yeah, don't care. Yeah. Okay. We've moved on. We've got over this whole the Bears are gone thing. They didn't have a huge support base. And what support base they did have, they haven't been able to support a team for 25 years. They're not coming back. Yeah. It's um, not even like they were a, one, a rugby league. I know they were around from day dot, but it wasn't like they were a powerhouse really at any point. You know? They had a few, you know, 
brief high points and stuff like that, but it was nothing mm. dominant. No. Um, the nineties was probably their strongest um, decade, and they mm. didn't even make a grand final that period. Yeah, um, that's not to say they were bad. They they made the finals nearly every year, but that's just the way it was. Um, yeah, whoever's whoever's putting the money behind North Sydney, just go. You know what? Let's go to where a new market is. They should be saying, right, we're going to set up a team in Western, in Western Australia and just go, right, let's go over to Perth and put our money behind a Perth bid. We're not going to call them the Bears. You can have red and black as your colours if you want, but we're not going to be called the Bears. We'll be called whatever the people over there want. But take your nows and your money and all that sort of stuff you've got and whatever acumen you've got that's getting you in these conversations to start with and help Perth get a team, right? Sydney yeah. doesn't need any more teams. No. North Sydney or Bears just doesn't need to exist anymore. No one wants it. No one cares other than a few dyed-in-the-wool people, and it's not enough of them. And they're very old. Well, yeah, but, I mean, even if even if they weren't old, there's not enough of them to warrant having a team yeah. anywhere. There's not enough Bears supporters around anymore. The only people who go on talking about how they support the Bears are people who support other teams. They're not going to stop supporting their team to go support the Bears. And even if they do, then the Bears haven't brought anyone new into the game. They've just taken from other other teams. The number of people with a membership or a you know, sponsored team or anything like that in the game is still the same. They just move deck chairs around. Yeah. That's not helping anyone. So go to a new market. Don't attach yourself to every new area because all they're doing now is poisoning the Pacific. Yeah. Oh, we want to be. We'll represent the Pacific team. You know, no one wants the Bears around. So as soon as they go and attach themselves to some other area, they just poison that and kill it. Well, as I tweeted today, like the their neck, their only step they have left is to say we want to represent Planet Earth and play games on Planet Earth, and they'll say no. And <sighs> like that's where they're at at this point. You know, it's just silliness, <sighs> and it re- it kind of feels like it's more a case of a, a couple of administrators who know that they've got. Uh, a name recognition that is fading pretty quickly, it must be said, because of the, the time that they've been out. But they've got name recognition and they can always get a foot in the door with a few people in the media to make this a story. And they're just trying to get themselves an administrative role in the big time. You know, it's almost like when you see fucking Matt Cooper, you know, beg for a job uh, on Twitter. It's like, can we, you know, just don't do it, man. Just stop. What if we try and get some of that sweet Saudi Arabia money and put them over in Qatar? Don't start that fucking shit. <laughs> oh, how dare you? I oh, see people say that and I just want to just... Hey, hey, hey. If, if it's good enough for FIFA and the Formula One and, and the WWE... Come on, you can't, tell me that, you can't tell me that the people in the Middle East don't want a bit of rugby league action. Hey. Every time, every time I see that brought up, I think of the scene in that third Terminator movie with the one with the chick Terminator, where they they fucking Skynet launches all the nukes. That's all I see because I'm like, yep, Skynet had a point. <laughs> so you can put the bears over there, and then once they've made that money, because it won't take long, sell a few, yeah. sell sell a few drums of oil. And then they can set up a team in Japan and another one in China. Yeah. And you can have bears. Then they can just be the the bears globally. They just have, you know, the bears will play the bears. 
Bears. They could, then they can have a team in Russia. Russia Bears. Mate, that works. Then a team in Canada. Mate. Everything just becomes Bears. Coca-Cola right. taken over by the Bears. Imagine that. The Qatar Bears play two games at North Sydney over every year. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, but that's their fucking plan every time. Like, we want to be, remember when they wanted to be the second Brisbane team? But that was yes. Sydney Oval. It's like, yes. it's so silly. It's they're, they're a punchline at this stage. Um, we should talk about the the PNG team because you and me brought this up about, it was probably about three or four months ago now, where there was a bit of a shift in what was happening with the next expansion club and that the the Australian government and the PNG government, and you know, I think you can honestly say out loud now, the United States government is really pushing for there to be this team in PNG as part of a um, Pacific influence uh, that is being pushed um, by these nations to stop other nations getting a bigger bigger foothold in, in the Pacific region. Um, the Australian government has said that they will put $600 million of funding into the team, and, and not just the team, but more of the overall um, plan over the course of 10 years, which would be $60 million a year, and some of that would go towards supporting a PNG team. The NRL has basically been told the checkbook is is open, and <laughs> we would really, really our three nations would really, really like you to do this, and the NRL is like, holy shit, okay, <laughs> and I understand it, and I think it'll work. I love the idea that a team that doesn't exist mm-hmm. has got more money lined up to go into it than Leichhardt Oval ever has. Yeah, <laughs> I love this. Um, yeah, this is some some massive uh, anti-China thing going on. Yeah, pretty much. That's what brilliant. It it's brilliant. Um, yeah, at this stage with that money, that amount of money coming into it, there's no way in hell the NRL is going to say no. They they just have to, and I think that that's it's almost the way it's been. There's a reason Peter Philandis was at the White House the other day. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, it's it's just it's going to be PNG, and because there's no way it cannot be PNG. Yeah, exactly right. That that's what's going to happen. So yeah. the um the, the CIA gets its team in PNG. If <laughs> 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 the other time you'll get a, a a ground where you know a whole heap of security people will be on the ground, but they're not pointing the guns inside the venue. They're looking oh, for all geez. the uh, people on the outside. Oh, and I'm not talking about Papua New Guinea people. I'm talking yeah. about the you know they're scared of all the Chinese people coming around. It's a it's an interesting <laughs> um, look. It's an interesting policy. And I, like I will say to people, if you look at it from the PNG government's point of view, how many times do you think of PNG and you know in general? And then imagine if PNG was in your lounge room every single weekend for what is it, thirty weeks of the rugby league season. Like it's a, it would be huge for the nation of PNG. Um, but yeah, it's, it's at, at this point, it's basically that, like they cannot refuse. It's the offer you can't refuse, and um, it's going to go ahead. And and I wouldn't be shocked if they're in the league for twenty twenty five at this stage. The only, the, I was going to say the only issue. 
Okay, and I'm going to pose it as a question. Okay. How long does it take to get from, say, Port Moresby to Bali? I don't know. It can't be very long, though, can it? Mm. A few oh, hours? I see where you're going with yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that could be a problem. And instead of it being an off-season thing, it could be a midweek thing. <laughs> I never even thought of that. I've seen – it seems as though they would probably be based in Cairns, which yeah. I'll, we've talked about. And they yeah. play their games in PNG. Um, and I think that that's probably the smart way to go. Um, but, yeah, imagine if it's immediately See, Big Nelson thing, signs if, with them, hey. But if it's going to be – if if there's this um, anti-China rhetoric behind the government's decision to pump all this money into a PNG team, mm. then I wouldn't be surprised if they pushed for the team to be based in Darwin given all of the – you know, bases and ports and stuff that it's around Darwin compared to Cairns. Yeah, so but because we're, we're not we're not we're not talking about what's logistical for a rugby league team here. We're talking yeah. about what what the government's intentions are. But I, I think the the thing to consider is that they they want the uh, the links through PNG to be like it, it is just going to link PNG a lot more to Australia in terms of like the spotlight's going to be on them. As I said, for thirty. 30 days of the, the 30 weeks of the year that's huge for png um i don't think they care where it's based as long as those links happen and like people in png won't care that the the team trains and stuff in cairns is you know if they're playing there in port moresby and my goodness the i mean them crowds are going to be just i'm so bloody excited already can you imagine like you know, and let's say they're called the Hunters. I hope they're called the Hunters because that's an awesome name for the PNG team. Like the PNG Hunters versus, uh, or the Port Moresby Hunters versus Brisbane Broncos. Like, oh man, they'll be they'll be the Bald Eagles. Why the Bald Eagles? Isn't that the the logo oh. of the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> all of all of their staff will be based at Pine Cap. Pine Cap. That's why they want the Northern Territory. The Yanks, the Yanks know the territory. Good luck looking at their books, hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is there any other? Is there any animals in PNG that are like really, really fucking cool? Um, like they've it, like they've got crocodiles. Like PNG is a really, it's such a cool part of the world. It's like. They've got so many name choices they could have. Like they, I guess you could have the bird, bird of paradise, but that doesn't really roll off the tongue. But they do have kangaroos. They have kangaroos in PNG. Yeah. Okay. What have we got here? I'm trying to find. I bet some of the crocs they have in PNG are just like dinosaurs. Hey. Yeah, they've got plenty of um, taipans and pythons. Yeah. The moustache kingfisher. Uh. <laughs> tree kangaroos, carpet pythons, brown tree snake. They reckon that they might have Tasmanian tigers still there, hey? Oh, there you go. What they need is something cute that you can make evil. Well, you know, like what we did? Like with the quokkas, yeah. That's the one. That's what they've got to get. Yeah, something super adorable. Yeah. Maybe the crocodiles. 
if they I, I like the hunters as a name i think hunters is fantastic but if they chose to go a different direction maybe the crocodiles the port with crocodiles i don't know I, whatever works for them i guess it's not it's not really for us it's for png hey yeah they might have some uh a name that is for something that's local that like is it like obviously in the local png language you know what it could do mm. is they could call themselves something to do with the number four because apparently the Chinese think the number four is unlucky. <laughs> Jeez. That's one way to go about it, I guess. <laughs> Jeez. Well, it says it's an unlucky number and it's yeah. a lot of East Asian areas. It means death. Four. I wonder why four. So it says in, in, in Eastern Asia, some buildings do not have a fourth floor. Wow, that's interesting. So in, like in a lot of um, Western areas, yeah, some of the older Western countries, mm-hmm. they, won't, they won't have a 13th floor. They might have a 12 and a 12A or they might just go yeah. 12 to 14. Yeah. Um, for a similar reason. But, yeah, they, they don't like the number four. So you, know should... one, you know one thing I've always thought about rugby league in Sydney in particular? Because uh, Sydney's... It, like you go to inner Sydney and like it's it's a very big Asian population, and I absolutely love it because I love Asian food. It's oh, it's the best. When you go to Chinatown, and like I could I could just spend like a year living in Chinatown in Sydney, just eating all the Chinese food. I love it. But I like I wonder if rugby league could do more to market itself to the Asian audience that we have in Sydney itself. Like, I, I wonder if we do that well enough. And I, I'm not sure that we do. Um, and I know that, like, different cultures have different sporting backgrounds and tend to lean towards their own sporting backgrounds, and I get that. And so maybe that's why it's so difficult to break into those different cultures that we have um, in the city. Because, like, if you look at, say, a European background, it's obviously easier to get rugby league into it because they've got a background in rugby league. Um, th- with people that are from the Pacific Islands and New Zealand, same sort of thing. They've got a background in sport. But there's not really that rugby league slash rugby background uh, in Asia. And so to break into that in Sydney, like, are we doing enough as a game to in that regard. And I don't know that we always are, hey. I don't think the game's ever tried to break into specific yeah. culture, cultures or race or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is weird. Which is weird, especially when you consider how much money is available in the, a lot of the Asian nations. Yeah. Um, you'd think they'd be doing something to try and entice, you know, those countries to want to start investing more heavily in the game. Yeah. It just It's just never happened. Like, I wonder if the being inner city teams like the likes of South Sydney and, and the Sydney Roosters have ever looked at um, marketing to the Asian communities in inner Sydney because like it like it's a, a very big population of people and I don't know I just think that there's a opportunity there for for clubs and for the game in general and I I just don't know that I've ever seen it really utilized it's and I don't understand why, because it's an opportunity there to to grow the game in a market that's already saturated in Sydney. 
I think it'd be it'd be a really cool idea. <clears throat> well, you know, first of all, you got to get Las Vegas on site. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the Las Vegas is our base. You know, it's like our uh, it's Heartland Rugby League, apparently. Well, this is right. This is right. Um, <laughs> and look, if there's one thing that Vlandis knows, given that he's coming from a uh, an industry of gambling. He knows uh, which people like to put money on horses and, and and pokies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be his long his long game here. He's playing the long game. That's you know when doing. you know when people are going to go off their heads is when there is. <laughs> they listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? <laughs> a lot of talk about China going on. Yeah. No. Look. It's, <sighs> but it's really interesting, isn't it? That there's like there's these markets that. We, as a sport, we just have decided not to market to. I, I, I find that strange because I'd be marketing to everyone, you know. Well, yeah, you'd think you'd do something to try and market the game to every type of people possible, but yeah, yeah. I think rug, rugby games just haven't really taken off in China anyway. Yeah, but it's it's pretty big in in Japan. I don't know why we've never really made a genuine concerted effort to go there. Why don't we have a World Cup there? They can afford it. Well, they've had a Rugby Union World Cup there. Exactly. Um, so, the, so the stadium's already there. Yeah. So so why not? Uh, imagine, oh, imagine if you had that. Imagine what's that? that. Imagine hey? having, the, having the World Cup in Japan. But apparently it's really, um, it, it's pretty expensive to fly over to Japan, hey? Ah, fuck, who cares? <laughs> You've only got to do it once. True. True. It'd make money. Um, yeah, imagine having the NRL season like launch in Chinatown in Sydney. I think that would be just so awesome. I really do. Well, what about the you know, what about some pub somewhere though? What about, <laughs> yes. what about Royal Randwick? You got to have it out there, mate. I know, right? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the worst? Um, Worst season launch. Like, the season launches at the Opera House, are, they're hard to beat. It's such a beautiful place. Well, the thing that's crazy is they always used to be done um, on the Sydney Harbour. Yeah. When they, in the early days, they used to have a yacht race on Sydney Harbour. Oh, really? And they had a whole heap of uh, clubs were representing each yacht and stuff like that. And then they had, it was always done on Sydney Harbour. I don't know why they went away from it. It's because they brought teams from Western Sydney and were terrified of the water. That's probably it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got these, we've got these, um, <laughs> got these landlubbers here. We're going to have to find something to do with them where this involves dirt. Exactly. 1967, they bring the Panthers, and Panthers are like, we can't see the bottom. What are you fucking talking about going out in a boat? <laughs> yeah, I just feel like that shit. If I can't feel it under my feet, I ain't going out there. <laughs> Oh, there's a submarine out there somewhere. <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's interesting. It's funny because we've talked so much about, like, how we market the game. Like, in, in like, say, Port Moresby and the Pacific and then Sydney and then England. And that's yeah. what it all comes down to is marketing the sport better and and making sure you don't miss out on parts of your market that you've I, already got. I think they just wanted to go with what was – Easiest and cheapest, so you just market to where the people already are. Yeah, which yeah. is so lazy and backwards, and that's why you know, that's why England's in the position it's in. Yeah, 
and why, you know, Australia hasn't really advanced rugby league much further than just the Pacific region anyway, where rugby league was already being played. Yeah. So it's going to be something that both both sides of the hemisphere need to start thinking about long term and, and working on. Yeah. America is not the option. Sorry, Peter. Um, should should have been looking at um, Japan, China, and India many years ago. India have a game called Kabaddi, mm. which you would be able to, you know, just on that game alone, mm. you would be able to start forming long-term rugby league players out of people who play that game. The, the agility required to play that is insane. Yeah. It's a it's a kind of contact sport that doesn't have a ball. It's fucking mad. Really? Yeah, you got to check it out. Oh, yeah, I'll have to have a look. I know they've got that game, and I don't know if it's just in Afghanistan or not, where they basically, I think they drag around a a goat and it's yes. horse riding. We we mentioned that on episode once. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. No, um, but they do they do play those games. India does have a, a rugby league team now. Mm. They've only played a handful of games, but they do have a team. Um, See, which, I feel which, like you could probably do something in India and and like probably with the Indian communities that are around because like when uh, when Great Britain was ruling over India. Um, they probably introduced some of those sports themselves just by being there and, and doing what they do, you know. So that they, they, they would probably be familiar with it, if not play it. Right. Um, this, and you see that with cricket, you know. This this is where the genius of it all is, okay, and where they missed the boat. They mm. could have had Andrew Simons, right, as mm. their figurehead to push rugby league into India, mm. right? Put him into a team for Australia. Or fuck it, even if you want to, make him the honorary player for India for a game, mm. right? Get the English team to come over. Mm. Absolutely lace the entire Indian team with people who have absolutely no affiliation with the country whatsoever. They're all Australians. They're just going to represent India for this game. And have that Indian team full of Australians and Andrew Simons absolutely demolish England in India. Mm. India would play rugby league tomorrow. Do you reckon if Australia played a test match against England in India, that, like I feel like the Indian public would get behind the Australian team? They probably would. But because I know that in cricket, like that, it's it's I guess all three nations kind of are, are rivals with one another. Yeah, it was. I mean, but, it was obviously, it was a lot a lot more heated between India and Australia like a yeah. decade or so ago, but it doesn't seem that way anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I reckon there'd be a fair bit of animosity between India and, and England still, obviously. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it, something like that turned out. That'd be the way to do it, though. I love thinking about these things where you think of, like, imagine a rugby league test match in India. Like, what would that be like? And I think that's why we both love when you see uh, a test match in PNG because you're you're seeing that you're seeing like what would it be like if we went to the only nation where rugby league is the number one sport and like they're just so in love with the game that they go off the entire time and you see it you know yeah it'd be cool to see those sorts of things happen in the game um, I think about stuff like that a lot probably probably too much <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have a podcast. 
Yeah. Well, you know, we should do a few episodes of this podcast, hey? We might have to punch a few out now that we've warmed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, on that note, is there anything else we need to punch out? I think that's everything that's happened this week. Uh, it's been an interesting week in rugby league, even though it's the off-season. Um, the only other news I can think of is that there was a an English player was signed for, I can't remember his name now, he signed for Canberra. What's his name? And I've been holding off talking about it because I thought I'd talk about it on the podcast and then I forget his name. John Bateman? No. Nope. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, damn it. <clears throat> anyway, they signed they signed a player, so it'll be interesting to see how long he he stays in Canberra before he decides to get the fuck out of there. Um, and then the other one is that there was Rugby League Week Mole. That's funny. Rugby League Week hasn't been around for a while. But Rugby League Week Mole was saying that uh, fucking Worldsby is being looked at by a couple of NRL clubs, including the West Tigers, so they won't get him. Um, and it's – I don't think it will happen. I think it will stay over in England because he, like – I, I, yeah, he, I don't see him leaving England. Nah, nah. I think he's he's one of those um, in theory sort of players. Like in theory, like, but in practice it wouldn't work. Yeah. He you know doesn't seem I mean? to be too much different to Sam Tompkins when he was younger. Yeah. I think no, Tom, I, Tompkins was, was a better player at, yeah. at the same age, but similar mould. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's found his absolute niche where he's in the England game, but he knows if he come over to the NRL, he'd probably struggle to hold down a spot. Yeah, it would. Def- yeah. As I said last week, defensively, he's just not even in the same hemisphere, you know, and and that that would be a problem. <laughs> it would be. So he'll be playing for the Tigers next year. <laughs> probably. Yeah, will, he, will, will he? Will uh... he? Push your brand new rugby union superstar that only can make lower grades in rugby union now, though. Every single rugby union superstar that we've signed, um, thanks Tim Sheens, um, <laughs> I believe none of them has ever played in the NRL. What about uh, Sam Harris? Didn't we get him from somewhere else first? Didn't he play at Manly or something? He did. He played, was it Manly? I'm going to have to have a look now. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> there's no chance we 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 just gave a random bloke. Yeah, he played at Manly for three years. Yeah, and I think he was the best of them, wasn't he? Probably. Yeah. Oh, Benji Marshall. Well, yeah, but Benji, I mean, Benji Marshall was a rugby league product too. As I no, but, like, we, we, but we signed him sorry. after he played for the Auckland Blues. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Sure, been at the Dragons and the Broncos and the and the Bunnies <laughs> in that period, but you know we eventually got him. I fucking love I, I I love looking at the I was looking at more rugby union stuff um on Reddit, seeing what, like how they're all going to fix the game. It's wonderful to read, and like the the thing of like oh he's a rugby union product, and it's like all of these young dudes that can that are like really good athletes in Australia, they do all of it. Like they they do pole vault as well. They're not a rugby. They're not a pole vault junior. <laughs> you know they're the best swimmers. They're not swimming juniors. Like they do all of it because they're I've the got, best athletes. I got a question for you. It's yeah. an either or, okay? Okay. What's in worse shape, English rugby league or Australian rugby union? I was thinking about this yesterday. 
I think it's pretty close, yeah. but I think it's probably Australian Rugby Union, and I'll tell you why. Because their their viewing numbers are plummeting. They're shackled to a rule set which they have no say over, and any fixes that Super League could make fixes to their rules if they wanted to, and they could just do that arbitrarily. Australian Rugby Union couldn't do that, especially considering that any rule changes they made would literally make it being closer to rugby league. And then why would you watch that anyway? You just watch rugby league. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is too, like they've got five professional teams in all of Australia and they really should have maybe three professional teams in all of Australia. And when you think of Australia in terms of just overall rugby, like a, a global term rugby, um, only being able to support three professional teams that says it all. That's fucking outrageous. Like, could you imagine if if you said, you know what, Queensland can only support three professional rugby league teams? You'd go like, oh my god, what's happened there? Exactly. It, it would be shocking. Um, they've got all of Australia, and they can prop, and that's like being generous. Yeah. So no, yeah, I, I'd say I, I, I'd say I, Australian rugby unions in Wales. I tend to agree, but yeah, it, it is close. Both have run yeah. atrociously and have been for too long. Yeah, uh, look, Super League and, and English Rugby League is pro- maybe ten to fifteen years behind where Rugby Union is in Australia. I would say, just in terms of like they're not there yet. I think it, Rugby Union in Australia is at a point where they're like, oh shit, we're fucked. <laughs> I think that there's a certain feeling in English Rugby League where they're not there yet. No, they're they're so oblivious. They don't know when they get there. Yeah, yeah. But I think Australian Rugby League, uh, Australian Rugby Union was as well. I think they were oblivious about their own product. And then, like, if, if you had a, if you said twelve months ago to a, a rugby union person in Australia, you know what? In twelve months from now, people are going to say this sport is fucked in Australia. They'd be like, "Oh no, we've got the World Cup coming up, and Eddie Jones, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah," and we just signed Suwali. Like, and now it's fucked. Yeah. And that young bloke, he needs to make sure his contract is fucking insured. Yeah. I'd probably even ask for that money up front. <clears throat> even if it means you've got to play, what is it, the back end of the years, or without being paid for those years, get that money up front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, seri- like, they're seriously, their, their TV deal is tiny, and it's going to get worse. And yeah, it's. I just. I wouldn't even know where to start. I just think they're done. Well, speaking of done, <laughs> what a segue! Yeah, what a segue. Um, we'll wrap this sucker up. Thanks for tuning, everyone. Um, make sure you check us out on all the socials. And um, hey, if you're if you're a fan of the podcast, go over to YouTube and just. Subscribe to us. Don't worry about liking the videos. There's fucking 500 of them. Don't bother. Just subscribe. <laughs> That'd be sweet if you could do that. Um, that's your homework. And uh, we'll wrap this one up. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's been a good episode. It has indeed. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we'll catch you all next time. <laughs>